Good morning. I am so blessed already, just, well, by the whole service so far, but also, like, I ran out of papers. Like, there's more out in the lobby on the desk, but just by your generosity, just already, and uh, it's just so cool. Um, sorry, I, ah, I just, God is so good. couple things before I get going here. One, I have this shirt that I, I just, this is going to Johan. Okay, uh, could you bring that back? Johan, okay, I felt the Lord say, my son. And then I felt him say that he's clothing you in new garments. And I felt to give the shirt, which is not necessarily the new garment, but it's like symbolic. And I felt him say he's just putting something on you, this new mantle and this new clothes. And uh, it's just really going to launch you into the next thing. So, Father, just thank you for what you're doing in Johan's life. And I just pray your blessing over him in your name. And Bryn. This is going to you. I don't know if you have one already. You don't have a book. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks back when I gave out a bunch of books, uh, you were really highlighted to me, and I wasn't sure if you got one or not, but I felt like I'd say to give this to you today. And uh, just that his smile is on your life, and he's proud of you. And just the years of... of um, investing into his kingdom and the years of faith and the years of of contending and it's it's stacked and stacked layer upon layer in your life and it's evident in the fruit of your life so he's just he's just smiling on you today just with a gift and uh, I just pray that it blesses you in Jesus name Jesus name sorry I'm just I didn't get my face ID to open my iPad here. I had to lift it up. Receiving money or gifts <laughs> is great. It makes us happy, right? Like, it, like I like just happened. I'm I, I saw the smile on their faces. So if I walked up to you right now again, and I'm like, oh, there's one more thing. I have a hundred dollar bill for someone, you know. And and I walked up to you and gave it to you. There would be a smile on your face. Now, even though these things, gifts, money, things like that, put a smile on our face, we also know that there's more to life than material possessions. We know this. You know, there's family, there's friends, there's, there's love, there's um, purpose in our lives, there's a calling for us, there's a reason that we are on the earth, and we know that. But what if I say that the money you have or the gifts you receive or the money you give, or the gifts you give, are actually, they actually have a connection to your purpose on the earth. Our purpose in general, like broad stroke purpose, I believe, is to glorify God and enjoy relationship with Him forever. Broad purpose. And then as we do that in our individual lives, 
we are, it, it narrows to specific paths and directions that he's designed for you or for me according to way, the way he's made us. It's our destiny or our calling. But if to glorify God and enjoy relationship with him forever is our general purpose, then, then I think that it's a safe assumption to say that everything he does to us or for us is an invitation into an opportunity to live this purpose. Because I don't think that he would direct us in another way or give us something or, or uh, do something to us that would move us in the opposite direction of our purpose because he's not mean or tricky or manipulative. So the things in our lives, the God-given things in our lives, are an invitation, I believe. So this, the home that you live in, whether you own or whether you're renting, I believe that you have an opportunity to live your purpose through that beautiful home, to glorify God and enjoy him with it, in it. If you receive a, a blessing at work or a promotion or something like that, I believe that's an opportunity to glorify God and enjoy him with it. If you, if you, get, um, if you have a pet, I believe that little dog, that cat, that's an opportunity to enjoy God or to glorify him with you. You're like, well, that sounds ridiculous. But everything that we've been given is a gift from God. And I believe that gifts from God are an opportunity, an invitation to glorify him and enjoy him with it. So life is a series of giving and receiving, right? Everything in life has to do with giving and receiving. This is in marriage. This is in friendship. This is, this is at work. You know, we give time, we get a paycheck. You know, we go to the grocery store, we give money, we get food, groceries. And, and, and in this life of giving and receiving, there's an invitation to participate with God in the heart of God while living out the purposes of God for our lives. God, we know, is a giver. We know that. He's the ultimate giver. And he has given us everything we have. So everything, everything we've been given is an invitation to glorify God and enjoy him with it. Everything. So everyone say everything. Everything. But how do we do this effectively? How do we bring glory to God? How do we enjoy him with the things that we have? There's a few ways, and I think this is the foundation of what's going to set up for what I'm going to talk about. One is we bring glory when we point to the fact that he's the one that gets given it to us. We didn't make it happen on our own. We are not self-made people. The Lord has given us all things. And James actually says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We also glorify him when we trust him with what he's entrusted. So if he gives you something and he asks for it back, just give it back. Just give it back. I mean, that could be the tithe, like Craig talked about, but that could be anything. Any gift that he's given, and if he asks for it back, don't worry. There's more where that came from. Just trust him. And I also, we, we bring him glory when we steward it well. When we receive a gift from him and we're, we say, Lord, how can I bring glory? glory to you in this or how can I use this 
for you? How can I bring increase in your kingdom? How, like, what can I do? How can I be a blessing here? Maybe I can host someone in my home because you've given me a home. Or maybe maybe I can take a friend who's going through something out for coffee and, and bless with that little, you know, pay raise that I, I got her. Or what, what, it can be anything. It can be anything. And as we bring glory to God in these ways, we find enjoyment with him. Because our focus is now aligned with his heart. We have perspective. We're thankful. Because we know we didn't earn it. There's nothing we can do to lose it. It's an undeserved blessing. And it's giving and receiving. And God is an ultimate giver. And then as we do that, we spill out in, in generosity and thankfulness. We are also allowing others to experience the blessing that we've received. I also believe that when we find enjoyment with him, it puts a smile on his face. As any good father, he wants us to love what he's given us. Like when you give your kids a gift. Like how many know when you give your kids a gift, what you, you know, you want them to like the gift. You know, you don't want them to be like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> what There was one time when we gave Faith a bike. Uh, when she was just very, very little. And, and when they're very, very little, they ask for everything on their list. You know, they're like, you know, they're asking, you know, you or Santa or whatever, whatever you guys do there. But um, for everything on their list. And a bike wasn't something that was on her list. And uh, But we knew she needed a bike because she just, it was time for her to have one. And so we were so excited about this bike. And we had buy the Christmas tree. And it wasn't it wasn't wrapped or anything. It was just there. So she came out and she comes out. She was very little, like, I don't know, like maybe three. And she comes out and she's like, oh, well, I didn't ask for a bike. <laughs> We're like, she wasn't like, oh, a bike. Now, that being said, that was very uncharacteristic of faith as a little girl, because this is this is generally speaking what our Christmases would look like when our kids were little. It would take forever. First off, one, we're really big on Christmas. We love to bless people, family, kids. We just It's just like our time of year. We just love to do it. So we blow it up, okay? So there's there's lots of gifts. And our, our kids, this would happen year after year after year. It still does, kind of. Wow, if they're listening to this or you tell them later, they're going to be like, thanks, Mom. But anyway, so they they open a gift. And then they're like, oh, wow, thank you. And then they get up and they come over and they hug us. And they say, thank you. And then they hug the other one. Thank you. And they sit down. And then they open another one. And they're like, wow, thank And they come over to us and they hug. We're like, this is going to take all day. <laughs> we know you're thankful, you know. But it would just, yeah, it could be socks. Like, I mean, it could be anything. And these always would take the time to come over to hug us and to say thank you. And like, they still do this. You know, it's just, but that would bring a smile on our face. So what was awesome about that is that the joy didn't stop with the gift because it got better, because the focus shift to the giver. So when our focus shifts from the gift to the giver, there's a whole new level. Sometimes we say it's the thought that counts. And lots of times when we say that, it's like a negative connotation. It's like, well, it's the thought that counts. 
right? Lots of, but actually, it is the thought that counts. It really is because when, when there's genuine thought behind the gift, like this person's really going to appreciate this gift because I got them this gift with them in mind, it's like, wow, we no longer just enjoy the gift, but we enjoy the giver of the gift because we know the giver had us in mind. And it's from the heart of the giver. I believe, you know, that would be what was happening in little faith and little Josiah's hearts at those Christmas times, that the joy didn't stop at the gift but went to the giver, and it shifted, and it shifted the atmosphere in our home. And, and I believe that, that that's what the Lord does. That's what the Lord does. When he gives us something with us in mind, and then we shift our focus on him. See, we look around our lives, we see the beauty of the things that God's given, and, and our attention, our affection begins to look up to him. And this is where our thankfulness shifts from, thanks God for this gift, to God, I'm so blessed by your kindness. I'm so blessed by your thoughtfulness. I'm so blessed by you. Such joy flows out of it and enjoyment in him. Can you imagine if every time we received anything from the Lord, we stopped to say thank you for food, for fuel, for a car, for friendship, for sunshine. But we didn't just say, woohoo, sunshine. But we said, thanks, God, for sunshine. <laughs> thanks, God. Wow, what a beautiful day. Thanks, God. And it just, all the attention and the focus just looked up to him at every little detail that's been given in our lives. Wow, what joy would explode out of our lives. What change. I'm telling you what, there would be end of complaining in your life. You'd have nothing to complain about because you'd be like, everything is so good. Even when the, the bad things come in, you would be able to see the good because God is everywhere and he is good you begin to see the goodness. So all the annoyances would begin to fade. All the frustrations would begin to fade. The gifts that God give us are to create an endless sound of praise. They're an invitation into an encounter with Him and enjoyment and friendship with Him. Thanks, God, for this. Thank you. Thanks, God, for my church family. I, I, I do this when I pray for you um, during the week. And I call you by name. And I say, thanks God for, thanks God. Because I'm so thankful for each of you. Even some of you I don't know very well. Or I'm just getting to know you. Or maybe you're new. I'm so thankful for you specifically. There's a purpose in our provision that's more than just pleasure. It's an invitation into our purpose to go into the deep places with the Lord. Joy and generosity is in the heart of God. I really believe that. And today we, we're going to explore that opportunity and how to live it well, how to advance his kingdom while living his purpose. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as we continue our series on God and money. And verse 1. Says, we want to tell you further, brethren, about the grace and the blessing of God that has been evident in the churches of Macedonia. 
For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth and lavish generosity on their part. Now keep in mind this joy part. Because we know that the Bible also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if they're experiencing uh, abundance of joy, I believe that they're also experiencing a lot of strength in the moment of a less than perfect circumstance. So the strength of the Lord through the joy of the Lord is enabling them to stand in the middle of pain and provide generously for a need. That's incredible. Verse 3, for as I can bear witness, they gave according to you their ability, it says, yes, and beyond their ability, and they did it voluntarily. There's no forcing, no pleading, no pledges, no promises. <laughs> they just did it. Imagine if we stopped receiving offerings. We just stopped. Because we were so compelled to give that we didn't have to. Wow. Okay, it gets really good here. Verse 4, begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of uh, contributing for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. Please let us give more. <laughs> this Macedonians that Paul's talking about, they're radical in their giving. They were fully experiencing this incredible joy in the middle of their struggle and in their poverty, and they're begging to give more. I Like, What? Please let us give more. Could you receive another offering from us? I just want to give more. I don't have any money for food this week, but I have $20. I want to give it to the Jerusalem people. You know, like they're just begging to give more. There was something that the Macedonians had, some kind of revelation that they had that the church in Corinth didn't have yet. And that's why Paul is bringing it to their attention. He had never seen anything like it before. And he knew it was going to blow the minds of the Corinthians because this is absolutely radical. So he's mentioning this, and then he takes the opportunity to explain how they got to this point. So before the Corinthians asked the question, like, how do you, like, how do you even get like that? <laughs> how do you even become those people? Paul's like, oh, and here's the answer to the question that you haven't asked yet, but you're all thinking. He's given the church the aha moment or their epiphany um, without having to wait for it. Verse 5, nor was the gift theirs merely the contribution that we expected, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God, entirely disregarding their personal interests. They gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. Another translation, another version says it this way, to make it a little more clear. It says, this was totally spontaneous. It was totally their own idea and caught us off guard. And then he says this, what explains it was, so here's the answer of how they could do it. What explains it was they had first given themselves on reversedly to God and to us. They had first given themselves to God. And the other simply flowed out of their purposes of God working in their lives. This is how. This is how. Verse 6, so much so that we have urged Titus that as he began it, he should complete the contribution among you, the church of Corinth. Basically, Titus encouraged you in the beginning to start giving to this need. And you guys remember that is what Paul's saying. So we're wanting him to come back to you and encourage you to finish what you started. 
So now, as you abound and excel and at the front of everything, you're at the front of faith, you're at the front of expressing yourself in knowledge and zeal, you're, even in your love for us, you are doing awesome. See now that you come to the front and abound and excel in the gracious work of giving or almsgiving. He's like, guys, you're doing awesome with everything. You are like killing the Jesus life. You know, you are loving people. You are loving us. You are loving him. You are strong in faith. You're doing all these things. So now let's raise your giving to level up, to match your commitment to the Lord and all the other things. He's like, I give you not this as an order to dictate to you, but to prove the zeal of others and sincerity of your own love also. Basically, there's not force here, but maybe like a little test or a little tug of your genuine love. Because how many know, truly know, that if we are willing to put our money where our mouth is, like we are all in. <laughs> then Paul's like, but even if you forget about the Macedonians and what they're doing, because I'm just trying to like, encourage you like hey if they can do it you can do it but even if you forget about that we can also talk about Jesus because verse 9 says for you are becoming progressively acquainted and recognizing him more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus his kindness his generosity and that though he was rich he became poor in order that by his poverty you might become rich so it's my counsel and my opinion in this matter that I give you. It is profitable and it is fitting for you now to complete which what more than a year ago you not only began, but you were the first to want to do anything about it. There was a need in Jerusalem and you were the first to want to do anything about it, but you kind of stopped. So now my advice is to finish what you started. Why? Because it is profitable. It's profitable. It, this is good for you. It's to your advantage, and it is fitting. It's the right thing to do. How many times are we just like, I just want to do the right thing. I just want to do the right thing. Paul's like, this is the right thing to do. So now finish doing it, that your readiness and desiring it may be equaled by your completion of it according to your ability in your need. You started giving with passion and eagerness. Now match your passion. You started with the giving. This is the standard. So this is what the Corinthian church, this is the standard of what they should be doing, Paul's saying. Like it, and, and this, I believe, is what, what I should be doing and what we should be doing, living generous lives in the purposes of God, which is all great. So that's the, you know, that's the standard and that's what we should be doing. But why? Why? be generous like what why and what does generosity and joy have in common like will i really truly be happier as a, a more generous person and that's a good question second corinthians chapter 9 starting at verse 6 remember this he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously will also reap generously with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposes in his heart, not reluctantly, not sorrowfully, or under compulsion. For God loves. God loves. It means he takes pleasure in, he enjoys, and he prizes above all things, all other things, 
a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always, everyone say always, and under all circumstances, whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, no support, and be furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. You don't need anything. Like that, that's what happens here. When, when we follow the scriptures that's outlined here, when we give generously, joyfully, we will have enough, more than enough, for every good work that you want to do and every charitable donation. And there's more. God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply, multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. No, not only as we have a heart of generosity to give radically, will he bless us with righteousness, living a good life, like kindness and giving, but he will provide the money or the seed to do the sowing. So, and he not only provides the money for the seed, but he takes care of our own needs because it says he also provides the bread for the eating. So it's enough for my need. It's a seed to sow for someone else. And then it's, it's going to come back intensified. He multiplies our resources as we partner with him until we get more. Because he, why? Because we, we're trusted. So he gives seed to the what? To the sower. So you have to be a sower to get the seed. So you're like, I don't know where my seed is. <laughs> I want to give, but I have no seed. You need to sow. So if you're sowing with the very, very little seed, maybe you just have one tiny little seed, and you sow it, he's going to give you more seed. Because he gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the order. <laughs> so you just like stack up all the seed store it in your barns, but he gives seed to the sower. So as you sow and you are proven that you are faithful and you are trusted with little, he will give you much. It's a promise. Verse 11, thus you will be enriched in all things. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Wow. So not only are you taken care of, you have your bread, you have seed, you're sowed, then the multiplies back as resources. You have enough for every good work and every charitable donation, but also it brings forth worship. It unlocks worship. For the service that is the ministering of this fund rendered does not fully supply what is lacking to the saints, but also overflows in many cries of thanksgiving. So it doesn't just take care of the needs but it unlocks worship. So why do we give? We know it's our purpose to be generous. That's the why. Why do we give? Because it multiplies back into our lives more than it ever could if we keep it. If we keep it, it just is what it is. If we give it, it comes back multiplied. And this is not just with things. Although things are great, because they are an invitation to glorify God and enjoy Him with it. But it also provides for needs. So we're not just thankful for the things, but we're thankful for 
the giver, like we talked about, and we're thankful that we can provide for the needs. And then it's, it's an endless sound of praise for us and the receiver and the people around who've noticed of thanksgiving. So that's, we know the what, we know the why, but then the how. I think sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah that, that's so good. I just don't know how to do it. I just don't know how to get there. I want to be that person, but I just, I'm just not sure. Remember, Paul answered the question before they had a chance to ask. How do we become this generous person? How do we live that purpose? When we give ourselves first to God and unreservedly to God, we change. This is how. The other giving simply flows out of the purposes of God working in our lives. It just, that's the secret. That's the answer, the starting point. Just give ourselves first to God. We have to have a desire to live out our purpose, to give our lives completely to Him. And it doesn't start easy. Like, it's not just like, oh, okay, perfect. I'll give myself first to God. Done. You know, it's not, it's not going to be like that. And it, it, so, like, I just need to tell you straight, it's just not going to be like that. It's going to take intention, and it's going to take discipline, and it's going to be hard, but in time, it will be second nature. In time, it will be who you are. I'm telling you what, okay, so the prayer week we had a couple weeks ago, it was, it was only three nights in a row. I'm telling you, though, facing it seemed like a lot. <laughs> it's like three nights in a row to add to everything else we all have going on in our, our weeks. It seems like a lot, and and just the tax on our families and uh, like all the things like it just it just seems to compile so it's like okay this is we're gonna do this so we do it and it's like it's all good nights we've we've talked about it by the third night I, I'm like, I don't I don't really want this to end I mean the first night it took discipline the second night it took you know practice and and but that as we begin to taste of the presence and of, of the encounter and 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 it, the flavors of the lord in that moment it began to develop an appetite for it because i want to keep going and I, and I felt like like i don't know if i want to stop this like i and i mentioned to to casey she's not here this morning but it was just so funny because on the last night i mentioned to her gosh i'm like i don't know if i want this and she's like oh my gosh me too she's like me too and and, and she's like what do i have to look forward to tomorrow work She's like, oil change on my car? Nothing. I got nothing. And, you know, this is what she's saying to me. And I'm like, that's so funny. But she's like, I want to keep coming back too. Because our appetite grows according to what we feed. And, and, and what we feed wants more and more and more and more. And the taste gets acquired for that familiar taste and the feeling associated with. And this works with anything, guys. This works with food. You begin to eat sweets, you, well, you would want more sweets right? <laughs> or or salty things or, 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 you know, junk food. And we begin to crave what we're eating. It also works with entertainment. You begin to watch a certain show and the next thing you're like, I can't wait to watch that again tomorrow. You know, like it, it, we begin to crave what we're feeding ourselves. We develop appetite and it's the same with the presence of God. So if you develop a discipline for it through the struggle, through the time, you'll develop an appetite for it and even crave it. So if you want to be hungry for God, if you want to, how do I put him first? If you want the desire to put him first, we need to make a discipline of eating of him. And it's going to be hard, but in time, it's all you'll want. 
It's all you'll want. You'll develop an appetite for it. It's the definition of discipline. An intentional of doing of something over and over and over that feels unnatural until it becomes so much a part of your life that it happens unintentionally and naturally. So this developed over time is what separates you doing the great things of God and having a deep history with the Lord from those who have an average relationship with the Lord. And their relationship with God is really a series of ups and downs, mostly having to do with a lot of needy prayers and gracious answers from the Father. The Macedonians put him first. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, that's what you do, church in Corinth. You guys are doing awesome already at a lot of things. And, and if you just put him first. He said everything in their lives was worshiping God fully. They surrendered everything. Like Literally, they're like, let us give more. We can't give enough. You know, we're yes, life's horrible. But it doesn't matter because God is good. And they're just directed by the will of God. And they're giving themselves to the, to the teachings of the apostles. And they're, they're disregarding their own interests. And, and so, of course, the giving was easy because it's just an outworking of the purposes of God in their lives. So here's Paul telling them about them. And he's not trying to make them feel guilty or bad, but it's an encouragement. Look, if they can do it, I know you can do it because you guys are already tracking. You already, already want this. You already started it, actually, because, because it's just the next thing for you. Don't you love it when, and I mean, mean this sincerely, when people call you higher? Like, they see you for who you are, but also for who you could be. And it's just such a beautiful thing when we are, when we welcome people to challenge us to live a better version of what we already are. Where they call you higher and be like, oh, you're killing it there, but I see more. And you're like, you know what? You're right. I can do that. Thank you for believing in me. And thank you for calling it out. Our lives don't stop at what we've been given. Because we've been blessed to be a blessing. And I believe as we partner with an open hand with the Father, we open ourselves up to everything that God has for us. For us, but also for our generations to come. Because God has called us to live radically generous. And it starts with first giving glory to Him. Finding enjoyment with Him. And everything you've been giving, thanks God. Thanks God. Wow, you're so good, God. Thanks God. Hugging Him on every gift. <laughs> thanks God. And as we are radically generous, we will experience radical joy. I've been praying <laughs> for a long time that God would give me the money to buy someone like a car or a house. But maybe if I just, you know, buy start on a regular basis of buying lunches and coffees or groceries in front of me, maybe I will be entrusted with little and I'll be able to get more. Because if I'm not trusted with a little, what... Why would I get more? Or, or if I'm not trusted to buy someone's groceries when I have the money or don't have the money, why would I buy them a house or a car whether I have the money or don't have the money? My, uh, my mom went out the other night, and she went on a walk, and she said it was late. And my mom is getting older, and just she's some health problems and things like that, but... 
um, it's she's and so she's retired and she's moved to an apartment uh, that's just going to be like easier. She worked really hard for many many years, and so this is like a, a beautiful time in her life, but it's also a transitional time in her life, an adjustment. And so she went out for a walk, and it was late late for her. It was like eight eight thirty, and she was talking to a friend. She said, and she was on her way back, and she she remembered, oh, I need bananas. So she's like, I'm going to stop in the grocery store. So it was a part of her building complex. So she stopped in to go in, and she's standing in line. And while she's there, she's like, oh, I also need salad dressing. So she picked up two salad dressings and bananas. And she's like, there's people in front of me. There's people behind me. And she's just um, standing there. And she gets up, and the guy begins to take and kind of check her through. And she reaches for her purse, and she realizes, oh, I don't have my and she begins to panic. That's embarrassing. You know, you're there. You're like, oh, my gosh, there's people everywhere. And, you know, I don't have my purse. And, and she's like, no, 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 stop, stop. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. And she's like, no, stop. I, I, I don't have my purse. I don't have my money. I'm going to put these things back. And I'll just come back another time, and it's fine. And it, she said it was uncomfortable, and she felt embarrassed. And, you know, she was, like, frazzled. And then she said there was a young couple behind her. And the young man said, no, no, this is on me. And she's, she said her heart in that moment was so moved. It was just bananas and salad dressing. <laughs> it was not a big deal. But to her, that act of generosity, she said it changed everything. She said it turned an awkward, uncomfortable, embarrassing moment into generosity and the kindness of God and the smile on her life. And, and she said the whole atmosphere changed from awkward, everyone felt awkward, to like, oh, yay. You know, like, it, what generosity unlocks and the joy that it releases, and the worship to the Lord. She left. She was like, God bless you. And, you know, and all, it just released the worship of the Lord. God has called us to be radically generous. It will change our lives. It will change our lives. See, if we know this is the case, and we know that's the heart of God, why don't we do it? Like, if we know that this is the next step, why don't we do it? Why don't we give ourselves completely to him? Why do we lack joy in our lives? And we're a roller coaster of ups and downs and all arounds. And, 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 and you know, we give partially at certain times when we feel the emotion or, or we don't give him everything. Or, you know, the Macedonians got it. And Paul's like, it's for everyone. And, and the Corinth, you guys can have it too. And I'm saying, hey, we can all have it too. But what's holding us back? Like, wh why do we keep getting in our own way? I ask myself this all the time. Like, if I know the answer, why don't I just do it? Like, what is wrong with me that I just don't do it? We get joy, we get blessing, we get lives surrendered, you know, we get harvest in us and others. We get, you know, what's the hang up? It's like a win, 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 right? You get joy, you get joy, everyone gets joy, we all get joy. You know, that's the answer, but we don't do it. Why? I believe there's two pitfalls that leave us stuck, and this is why we don't do it. Number one. We're so full on the world, we have no hunger left for God. We have overindulged on other things. We are busy people full of the appetites of the world. We have no space, no hunger, no need for God. 
We're so busy with our schedules of here and there and everywhere that we have no time for God and no need. We're distracted. We're fat and moderately happy. We're distracted. We're annoyed most of the time. We're frustrated with this and that. We talk, 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 talk. We talk so much, but we never quite walk the walk. We try to fix it. We make a checklist. Came to church. Check. We tithe. Check. Two checks. We helped a friend today. Check. We still made it home to watch our favorite show. Check. Life is moderately great. Definitely could be worse. We're so full on the world, we have no hunger left for God. Number two, we've taken our eyes off the giver and we placed them on the gift. We didn't mean to. Get it. Our eyes shifted down. We have a mental awareness that everything's from the Lord, but somehow along the way, our eyes shifted from up here to down here. And, and, and I'm telling you, this will end it all. This will end our generosity. This will end our joy. This is an indication of the love of money. It, it will make false promises to us. It will lie to us. It will tell us that the joy we're feeling is actually springing from the gift and not the giver. And it's a tricky trap because there is a measure of joy in the gift. There definitely is. So it's, it's tricky, but it's only a measure because when our eyes are turned off him and on it, we begin to feel like if we lost it, if we lost the gift, the money, the provision, the thing, we would lose the happiness too. We would lose the joy too. So it makes us feel fearful. So we hold on to it and we fix our eyes on it because, and, and then it causes us to see all the things we don't have. And all the things we need. And we can't be generous because if we're generous, we won't have anything left. But if we can't be generous, we can't be like Jesus. We can't live out our purpose. We'll never find fulfillment. And we're just left with a handful of gifts and a life of fear. So let's alert ourselves to these two pitfalls today. These, these hidden traps of the enemy. Psalms 91, the good news is, says that he rescues us from hidden traps. 